seated. Good to have all of you here. Good to see Brother Todd Brown here. Thankful for all of you being in the house of the Lord. And uh, I uh, started a lesson on Wednesday night and I called it oneness, and it's not in the way that you think of oneness. And uh, I uh, actually have been feeling some of this in my heart, and I, um, it's not a subject that as a minister, uh, a pastor that you often uh, teach on or preach on, and I know that I will potentially uh, uh, have folks try to find the motive and uh, what's going on in my heart and mind. And I can just truthfully say, um, I'm not talking about anyone, past, present, or future. This is, I'm just gonna look in the Word. So you follow along in the Word and uh, know that this is, I'll try to uh, go through, it, it kind of is a, is a, come, a culmination coming forward of, what I talked about Wednesday with oneness and uh, meaning being one with God, one with the presence of God, one with um, <clears throat> him, having that concept of him and us and us and him. That was never a concept that had been discussed um, with any other previous gods or uh, programs throughout all of mankind. There was never people built shrines. Uh, they built idols. They built uh, places where they offered sacrifice, human and otherwise, to the gods, to a god, to particular gods. Uh, even the Jews uh, had a tabernacle, and that tabernacle was extremely small. It, uh, people didn't go there to worship, to sing, like we have this building where we come in and uh, enjoy the presence of the Lord. That was basically a concept that began with Christ, that being in him, even later when the temple was built, it was not built for a congregation to come in. Uh, actually, what they had in the time of Jesus were synagogues. And a synagogue was not a place to worship, per se, but it was a place where a rabbi would teach the word. And they would go there and they could study the Torah together or they could study the word. But it was not a place where they were in God or God was in them. God dwelt in the temple. God dwelt in the tabernacle. They weren't allowed to go in. As far as they could go was the brazen altar. And yet, what we understand uh, here is uh, there is a unity of faith that the Bible talks about in the New Testament. A unity of faith. And I know that we read in the Bible about a three-fold uh, cord, and I just kind of 
wanted to use, let you see this illustration of a rope. Um, it's made of little tiny fibers, and those fibers are, are twisted together to make a strand of yarn. And uh, then that yarn is twisted together to make a one strand from a bunch of single uh, pieces of yarn. And then that those strands are finely twisted together. Some are uh, three. Uh, that's usually uh, what they are, is a, a three-fold strand of yarn. And here they are. They have um, uh, the this... Uh, uh, you've seen them probably in gyms. Uh, uh, I've been by uh, seasides and see these huge, massive ropes. And uh, you wonder how many fibers were in that rope that got twisted into yarn, that got twisted into f strands, that made this huge rope that holds a, a massive ship that is, uh, <coughs> of course, uh, there on uh, holding that that boat uh, to the dock. And the Bible talks about that in Ephesians, Ephesians the fourth chapter. And he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. So that's nice, I'm a gift to the church. Isn't that nice, you consider that, not your own. Thank you, but uh, we've all had gifts that we're not sure we liked, so I get it. Um, but that's what the Bible says anyway. Uh, for the perfecting of the saints, everybody say to make me perfect. And then for the work of the ministry, say the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up of the body, everybody say edifying. And the next verse says, till we all come in. Notice the word in in that verse. Till we come in the unity of the faith. And it's almost a visual of these fibers coming together, forming a piece of yarn, forming a strand, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, this concept Jesus had introduced. He introduced it in John 14th chapter. And this Matthew, the 18th chapter is, of course, after that. Uh, he, in Matthew, the first moment that he mentions sort of the church is in the Matthew, the 16th chapter, when um, he is talking to his disciples about, who do you think I am? And where do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And one of them said, Elijah, John the Baptist, uh, whatever. And then, of course, uh, Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ the son of the living God. Remember that? 16th chapter. And then um, he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And then, of course, it's just 
moments later that he tells them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified. And Simon, of course, uh, challenges Jesus and says, no, no, that's not going to happen. And the Lord looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. And for you don't even know the things of God. Wow. Now, over in the 18th chapter, kind of amazing because he's still, Jesus is talking about these things about a church, a group, a body. And um, he says to them, he said, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye collectively shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For whether two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. When you talk about Revelation, when they saw the churches, the candlestick, who was standing in the midst of all of them? Jesus. And they weren't all very nice. And not all the members were very nice. But Jesus was there in the midst of them. When Simon heard this in his typical brash, transparent, you never you knew where Simon stood. He wasn't easy to fake, you know. He didn't go like, oh well, I just love you, Jesus. Uh-uh. He'd say, You ain't doing that. He'd say, I'll bring my sword. I mean, that's the kind of guy he was. You have to understand his personality. When Jesus said this, about two or three agree and are gathered together, Peter cut right to the chase. What did he say in verse 21? <laughs> I don't know how many times am I going to have to forgive this guy? That sins against hard for me to get in agreement with him when he keeps getting on my nerves and doing me wrong. And you just said that I have to be in agreement in order for my prayers to be answered, which is a powerful whole sermon in itself. He didn't just open the door and say, I'll answer your prayer. He said, I answer it when you are connected to a body. When you are in agreement with someone. And I understand, it, it's tough to get in agreement. I, I get it. Tough to get a husband and wife in agreement. Tough to get a husband and wife and kids in agreement. Huh? And I mean... If you've never had children, you don't understand how tough that can be just to get everybody on the same page. And usually, you know, it works until they're 15, 16, 17, and then 
their back begins to bow. Huh? Anybody? I'm 18 now. I'm 19. I'm 20. I do what I want to. Not going there. Not us. I'm talking about being the unity of the faith. And I understand. I, I guess I should insert here. I, I understand. I had a wise individual tell me, and I've heard it many times, you know, pastors are blessed when people come, and sometimes they're blessed when people go. And I understand that. I, I realize, and I understand, I can't pastor everybody. I just not. You know, a lot of people want something else. I get it. I'm not, this is not, that's why I said to you, I'm not preaching about you got to be in this church. This is the only church going to heaven. Not at all. And we see in a town this size, there are hundreds of brands of churches. Many of those started in some sort of offense. And I mentioned Wednesday night about how Jer. Jeroboam built the altars that the Jews only had a temple for less than 40 years where they were all focused. They only had unity for the, the, the nations, the tribes were unified actually 80 years or 85 years before the temple was completed. And then when the temple, another 35 years, only 120 years and it all started unraveling. That's Old Testament. That's not us. That's not California. That's not whatever. And what's ironic is um, this past week, Brother Sharp was here, and Brother Sharp mentioned to me, he said, well, our district's sort of in a turmoil over. They're trying to pass a resolution that if you leave one church and go to another one of our churches that you can't pay your tithes at the new church for a year before you go. And he was just like, oh my goodness, it's going crazy. And I understand churches get into it. So I'm, I'm intersecting here in my sermon because I get it that sometimes it's a financial situation when people leave. It's a hardship on one church. I know people that do are unethical. I'm not talking about you have to move, you have to go, join another church. But what I said Wednesday night, what I'll say again today, you need to get connected to a church body. It is not a question. I, I, I'm not here saying we're the only body going, but we watched in our own community, in a little community of 3,000 of people that would get mad and they want to support missionaries more. And so they start the Missionary Baptists. And then we have another Baptist. And then another family got mad and then we had another Baptist. And, and I don't know, we had probably eight Baptist churches in town. We called one the Big Baptist, called the other. Now, we had African-Americans in our church, but then the PAW came in and they started a church. 
got it. I'm okay. So another Jesus name baptism church. Then there were not one assembly of God, but two, three assembly of God. And then, I understand. We've got CLC, great church, our church. Only two that I know that are UPCI, Brother Sheets is in Fredonia. Uh, the point of it all is, if you trace it back, usually most of those situations happen because of anger, frustration, hurt feelings, somebody did them wrong, something they saw in leadership. Amen. Just being honest. Now, that doesn't mean God can't bless it. I'm, I'm here to say that. As a matter of fact, Paul and Barnabas got into a conflict because Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas had a nephew named John Mark. And he wanted to take John Mark with him on a trip. And so the three of them went. And poor John Mark, he got homesick after about the first rough patch and he went back home to mama. Sorry, Brother Shane, I was pointing at you. It wasn't you. But the point is, the next trip that came up, Barnabas said, let's take John Mark. Paul said, oh, no. I'm not taking that guy. And so Barnabas said, well, I'll take John Mark and you take somebody else. And Paul took Silas. Hence, Paul and Silas were doing miracles and Barnabas and John Mark went on missions trip. Now, I know people say, well, Barnabas is recorded. My point is, God is able to bless in no matter how wrong people do, God can use it Amen. for his glory. No matter what the reason was that it got, you know, whether it was anger or hurt or frustration or you hurt my feelings or whatever, God can use it. Am I saying God's in it? Not necessarily. Same is true about Joseph and selling his brothers did not have to do what they did in order for him to save his family. God could have gotten him to Egypt a whole nother way. But nonetheless, and I realize, and I, I, I realize, I ask my own daughters, I, they will tell you when they were reaching an age today, I said, I want you to write a list of what you want out of a boyfriend, out of a husband, out of a future person you're going to join your life to. And I want us then to talk about it and we draw a red line under what you won't settle for. Because I knew from my own personal experience, I was raised in a small church and there were no young people. I was the only one my age. And... Um, so there was nobody for me to date, hang out with. Of course, dating then was different, I know, than dating now. And there was a young lady that <clears throat> was in our school whose parents were very good. Her dad was a board member of the Baptist church, and she was Baptist, and she was a good girl, good Christian girl, and we were thrown together a lot. I, we were co-editors of the yearbook. We took a lot of the same advanced courses. Of course, small class, 
So we were there. We talked. We visited. And I began to, you know, we would take, I, we would go go somewhere to eat or we would do something together. We, we had a, a, you know, good time. Then my folks encouraged me to teach her a Bible study. So I taught her a Bible study. And she saw the plan of salvation. She saw it doctrinally. She came to a service and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Then, she was not yet 18, she was 17, and she asked her mom and dad if she could be baptized in Jesus' name, and she told, her parents said, absolutely not. And so she was living at home, so my dad said, I'm not baptizing you. And so for six, seven months, we didn't baptize her. She turned 18, she called us up, it was a Sunday afternoon, it was raining, and she said, can I come by the church? I'm 18 now, I'm an adult, I want to get baptized in Jesus' name. My hair will be wet, my folks will never know, I won't even talk to them about it, because now I'm officially an adult. My dad baptized her, Jesus' name. She had the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name, I stopped dating her. You say, boy, pastor, are you stupid? <laughs> Nothing wrong with her. I just felt I did not want her to have made this step for me. I felt like I need to take about a year off we were now about ready to go to college, and I was just like, I need to take a year off, and I don't need to confuse this issue. That was me, okay, my little stupid brain. And so we both loaded up and went to college. She went to her college, I went to mine. So happened they were in the same city, Conway. and. She asked me one time, you know, I know you told me that you didn't want to date me anymore for a while. Is there anything, you know, are you thinking about getting back together? I said, I, I don't know. I'm just, I just don't feel good about it right now. In six months, she had met a young man who was filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. She married him. They went to ABI. She became a nurse. They pastored a church. It, all good. We didn't cross any boundaries that were inappropriate or whatever because I, I had, for me, doctrinally, I want whoever I join myself to to be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And so when she became available... I was like, whoa, I'm going to wait and make sure this is the one. She got married, and then between my, after my first year of college and my second year of college, I was not heartbroken over the loss of her. But guess who I met? Amen. She's not here today. I, talked to her early this morning. But I met the lady that I believe that was for me. Had I gotten myself 
inappropriately joined to someone else. I would have been embarrassed to be around her, her around me. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's why we caution our young people. Be careful who you join yourself to. Because and as this, there is an agreement. And that's why going back to my daughter, I said, I want you to list the priorities of what you want out of a man and then draw a red line. I know you want him to ride a white horse and I know you want him to be from Australia and I want him to have a name of David. <laughs> David, both of them had David on the list. That was unbelievable. But what would else would you accept? Because what I know is once you start joining to someone, before long you think, well, I can change that and I can change this and it'll be all right and I'll put up with this. And that's why I'm going to just tell you, I, for me, doctrinally, there was a red line that it just was hard for me to cross. If it, In fact, Ironically, my wife, and oh, I'm way off the bird walking down. Sorry, you're knowing more about me than you should. My wife rode yesterday with a mother whose daughter just was headhunted by a large Baptist church in Texas. Woman's from Florida. Her daughter sang, won some kind of award, and a pastor of a large Baptist church contacted her, said, would you come and sing at our church in Texas? She went, she was treated with royal, you know, red carpet. He said, awesome. This happened just past Palm Sunday. And then brought her back on Easter, featured her. He said, I want you to be our music leader, worship leader. We start at six figures. For those of you who are interested, I was asking if he needed a worship leader, I would go, but <laughs> no such luck. She came home to her parents and she said, Mama, I don't want my children raised Baptist. That's right. I want them to know what it is to speak in tongues and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? what it is to be buried in Jesus' name. What are you saying? I, that just, I, I, that has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with me, but that's why what I'm saying is a unity of the faith. I understand, I understand. Are you saying Baptists are terrible and going to hell and everybody? No, but you have to have a red line as to what you want your family to become and the way you want them to live. I realize that, I, I realize there are good people that are in every strike of every service. I, I was talking to an Amish man Saturday and he said, I believe there are people that worship Hindu gods, that they are good people. And I said, I don't disagree with you. And we were talking Bible, book of Revelation for, I don't know, about 45 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it was. The point of it is there still has to be a unity of the faith. That's what's so important because you have to bind yourself to a group of people in order for there to be agreement and there to be prayer answered and there to be deliverances you say why is that so I'm going to show you all right that was all preliminary sorry 
He said, how often do I have to forgive him? And he said, 70 times 7. And Simon was blown away. I read this verse Wednesday night. The Lord was very specific in the, where he said, but the place wherein the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, his habitation you shall seek. In other words, you, should, he want, you want to live where he is. That's where you come. Then you bring all of your offerings, sacrifices, tithes, he's offerings. And, and just to be very candid with you, since we're just all being transparent here this morning, sorry for those of you who are online, but, you know, a, a lot of times it has to do over money, offering sacrifices, tithes, he's offering. I don't think they need that. I don't think they ought to have that. Who, since when do we have That's Old Testament. I get it. I've heard it all before. Anyway, but there's something about it that he said, you shall eat. Verse 7, before the Lord your God and shall rejoice in all that you put your hand to. I want to tell you something. There is something about coming together. Me looking around and seeing some people that are going through some issues and watching them clap their hands and watching them raise their hands and seeing them rejoice that it makes me feel like you know what what I'm going through ain't quite as bad I want to rejoice I want to be in the altar I want to be praying through if they can pray through I can pray through if they can worship I can worship and I'm sorry you don't get that when you're at home eating a sour apple by yourself and I realize you know we have online and I appreciate all those that are watching online but even those online need to be connected to the body put your hand there too in your household he goes on first chapter 12 Deuteronomy. This is the place that the Lord shall put his name to dwell there. And he goes through the offerings again. And then verse 12, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maidservants and the Levite that is within your gate because he has no inheritance. I want to just tell you something. I don't know how your family rejoices at home and how you celebrate victories and how you celebrate hearing people have prayed and been healed. Probably most of you are like me. If you, we didn't have the prayer alert, you wouldn't know half of the miracles that happen in our church. If you didn't know, well, this one was taken to the hospital and that one was taken to the hospital. This one is didn't wake up on Thursday all day and half the day Friday. You wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that Brother Odie was up in the mountains off Purity Road, Maharg, praying, asking for his wife, Maharg. What is it? I don't know. Because probably not very many of you went by there. I know Sister Lois called me. She was in Portland. She said, Pastor, I can't be there. I said, I'm sorry. I'll check on him. And I did Friday. The point of it all is there's something powerful when we come together and begin to worship and rejoice. And I begin to see people that are making it another another week, another, 
And you say, well, is it that important? Well, let me tell you how it was important in Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all in one accord and in I don't know if they started with 280 left, but all I know is 120 made it 10 days in the same building. Some of us would have trouble making it an hour and a half in the same building. Imagine 10 days. Are you going out for falafel again? How many times are you going to eat? The rest of us are trying to fast and wait on God. What's up with you? Huh? One accord, one place. And the Bible, for that word, one accord, you know what word that is? Homothymodon in the Greek. It means one mind, one passion. One mind, one passion. What are you saying? When we come together in the house of the Lord, we need to come with one mind, one passion. You walk in those doors, I don't care who's done what to you this week, you need to come with one mind. We're here to touch God. We're here to get a hold of the present. I want to see miracles. I want to see somebody get the Holy Ghost. I come in here with one mind and one passion. It's not about, well, I wonder if Susie will look at me today. Hi, how are you? Wonder what they got on. Wonder, oh, look at them over there acting all like they got that something. They, I know what they put on Facebook. That's not what's got to be on your mind. At some point, when you get to the doorway, you've got to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise, and you've got to come in and say, we're here for one thing. It's not about who's playing. It's not about who's singing. It's not about what's going on. It's not even about what, who the preacher is or what he's going to say. We've got one agenda, and that is to touch the throne of Almighty God and for people to leave changed and transformed. Well, I wonder who he's preaching to today. That, that very word, if you go in the book of Romans, the 15th chapter, and the first verse it says, Paul was ending his letter to the church at Rome, and he said, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. It's not about what I want. It's about all of the others. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to building up edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. He goes on down. Now the God of patience and consolation. Wonder why he would describe God as being patient and consoling. Because in order to be in unity... You need a lot of patience and a lot of consolation because somebody is going to get cross with you. But that's, you've got to come into the unity of the faith. Grant you to be like-minded one to another according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth Glorify God. 
Wherefore, receive you one another as Christ received us through the glory of God. What are you saying? I am saying that when we come in, one goal is I want to glorify Almighty God. I want to give God the glory. I want to, I, I don't care what all is going on. You say, Pastor, I, you don't understand I, what I went through. I get it. But you know what? When I come to this place, I need to lay it at the door and I need to come in in unity with one thing. Why? Because we need to see miracles happen. We need to see people healed. We need to see people delivered. You say, well, I want the fullness of God and I, I'm the body, I'm the church, I'm the temple of God. I know you're a fiber. You may be a whole piece of yarn, but you ain't the whole cord. Sorry. That's why Paul wrote to the church of Ephesians. Now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes made, were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in his ordinances, for to make in himself, to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. For through him we both have access, how? By one spirit unto the Father. If, you, if there was ever a verse that you ought to say preaches that in order to get in God, you need to be filled with his spirit. That's, uh, that verse does. You say, well, it doesn't matter. They all love Jesus. I know, but you want to get. Anyway, one access by the Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone in whom the building fitly framed together groweth up into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Even though this concept was not preached or taught in the Old Testament, David alluded to it many times in his psalm because he was a worshiper. He talks about, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever in Psalms 23. Psalms 27, one thing of a desire and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Psalms 27, all the days of my life in time of trouble he shall hide me in the secret of his tabernacle shall he set me up on a rock I went to the house of the Lord when I, I was overwhelmed when I get attacked you know where I'm supposed to go off and eat an onion and cry by myself and get, I don't want to be a part of anything I just want to be by myself that's not what David said and he didn't even know about what we know about he said in Psalms 42, I was, I was overwhelmed. I poured myself soul out in me. I had gone with the multitude. 
And then he said, I went with them to the house of the Lord with the voice of joy and praise with those that kept the holy day. And he said, the voice came to him when he gathered together with a group. And you know what that voice said? Why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. <laughs> what are you saying? For yet I shall praise him. Another place, I'll stop. We'll read it tonight. Maybe, I don't know. He said, you know what? I'd rather stand at that door and just be a doorkeeper. For who? They, they didn't even have church like we have. But he said, I'd rather stand at the door of a building I can't even go into than to dwell anywhere else in the tents of wicked. What are you saying? How privileged we are. Yeah. Part, and I thank you. All those that are here, part of the, this church, I thank you for that. And I, I don't want you dating the church. I want us to be, I want us to get unified. I want us to come, whether you pray through, whether you forgive, whether you let it go, but I want us to come in one time just with one mind and one accord. We're here for a miracle. We are in harmony for a miracle. Oh, okay. I hope he doesn't preach long today because I want to go to City Barbecue. Dear God. Wonder what would happen if we just got in unity. You say, well, Pastor, is it wrong to go? No, it's I I I you know, I can't make those decisions for you. I couldn't make the decisions for my daughter about who you're going to join yourself to. But for me, doctrinally, faith, that was important. And I wanted to make sure it was done for the right motive. I'm just telling you my story. Your story doesn't have to be that. You can date whomever you want as long as they got two arms and two legs. And then if they lose an arm in the war, keep dating them. I don't care. That's not the issue. But you need to have a red line that I want these things. Why? Because I'm fixing to join myself to somebody. I want to have harmony and unity because let me tell you, even the archangels that hovered over the mercy seat. And you say, well, pastor, I got married and I didn't know and they didn't, I wasn't in church. I'm not, I'll go there. We're not talking about all of the past. I told you, it's not about the past, not about the future, not, it's today. Why? Because I'm going to guess that about 100% of the families are going to at some point need prayer for either them or a family member. If I can't be in harmony with my wife or my husband or my children on how to pray and where to go for help, I'm going to be pretty much out to lunch. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the church. You say, well, are you saying everybody? I'm, listen, for me, doctrinally, that's what's the red line. But for others, as long as they have a cross somewhere in there, that's fine. That's you. 
But me, I want them like the little young lady that was just offered six figures to go and lead worship somewhere. And she is not from a church that can pay her a hundred thousand. Her dad doesn't even make a hundred thousand. She goes, I'd rather be in a church that knows how to worship. Let's stand. Sorry. This is part of my gift to you to edify us. I hope you feel strengthened today. I hope you feel edified today. Why? Because we're part of a great church, folks. That's why. I don't necessarily just mean locally. I mean internationally, community. We're part of the body of Christ. I I want us to come. We're going to come. And you say, as a matter of fact, the verses in Deuteronomy. He said, you came to the altar. I didn't even focus on it. But you know what? That's why oftentimes and my dad would always tell me, make sure you bring everybody to the altar. To what altar? Open the altar. Why? It's for the one place where all of a sudden it doesn't matter Jew nor Greek, male nor female, white, black, Italian. <laughs> Tall. <laughs> Taller. Somewhere in between tall and taller. It doesn't matter. We have to learn how to pray for one another. Bear you one another's burdens. And I know not everybody can walk up here, but I'm okay with that too. But this is what this is about. One unity of prayer. You say, oh, pastor, why? There's something powerful about us praying. In fact, that's what, why don't we do that right now? Just find somebody. You can put your hand on their shoulder and let's begin to pray one for another. We're part of a rope. We're part of a unity. Let's pray.